Good evening, everyone. It's good to have you uh, with us as we come to worship the Lord together. Um, uh, thank you again for many of your your prayers. Uh, for those who um, those who are away, um, I was away in Romania uh, with Jill. Alan is still there uh, visiting Pastor Julian. Um, obviously, Dave and, and Simon and others were in Eswatini, and uh, and Neil and Liz are still in India. So we just continue to to pray for them that they would rest well and have some time, some downtime after visiting uh, David and Benny there. That would be an encouragement uh, to everyone involved uh, as well as Liz comes back uh, for her mum's funeral a week on Saturday. As we come to to worship the Lord uh, now, let us just hear from from the Lord in, in Psalm 34 as he says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for uh, your blessings shown to us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for everything that we have in him. We thank you that we can uh, take refuge in him. And so, Father, we do pray for your blessing on this evening as we think of uh, our weakness and your power at work in us. May you help us to see uh, you at work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, As we continue on in our series in uh, 2 Corinthians, it speaks uh, a lot about our weaknesses and God's power, God's strength at work in our lives. So we're we're going to watch just a a short video now uh, from uh, a person who's called uh, Al Mohler. He is the, the president of the Southern Baptist Seminary in the U.S. And he just speaks of how God has been faithful uh, to him, even at times when he really felt at the end of himself. So we're just going to watch this video together. You know, I think I've experienced just about every kind of weakness imaginable. The Lord's been faithful in all of it. Uh, I can think of uh, being exhausted in spirit, uh, just uh, exhausted in terms of time, depleted. Uh, I can also think of times of being weak and uh, and feeling vulnerable and alone in ministry. That sometimes happens too. But I think the clearest issue to me in which the Lord showed his faithfulness was what can only be described as physical weakness. And uh, this was at a point of of medical urgency. I had uh, uh, needed emergency surgery for a second second time due to a problem. And uh, I wasn't recovering from the surgery and uh, just felt inside myself that something horribly was wrong. And uh, I I was told that it was just uh, the normal complications after surgery, but it turned out I had bilateral uh, pulmonary emboli, uh, a a very deadly condition. And, uh, you know, when you talk to doctors these days in the terms of all the miracles of modern medicine, and the doctor says, you know, this is what what the problem is, they generally say this is what we're going to do to fix it. And uh, I can remember asking the doctor if, 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 if everything was going to be okay, and he didn't say yes. And uh, for the first time in my life, I recognized, uh, you know, I am mortal. And, and, and that mortality can, uh, uh, can happen very quickly. Uh, and I'm entirely dependent on the Lord. The weakness came down to this. There was not a thing I could do to help myself. Nothing. Uh, there was nothing I could do in the moment that would make the, the slightest bit of difference uh, to the situation. There were medical professionals, but it was clear that as, as much as they were God's gifts to me and uh, represented the very height of their profession, they weren't exactly sure uh, how this would turn out. But the Lord showed himself faithful, faithful in terms of my wife and family, faithful in terms of my friends, faithful in terms of the institution that I'm privileged to serve, faithful in terms of the ministry, faithful in terms of my heart. Uh, I, I knew the assurance that uh, that I was his and uh, and that I was safe, uh, safe in Christ. And so I would simply say that the Lord showed me a strength that I knew could only have come from him uh, and uh, and a recovery that is entirely to his glory. But in that moment of physical weakness, I was fully fundamentally aware that there was not a thing I could do for myself. Uh, in retrospect, that's a really good moment for a Christian. Well, as we continue to, to think about uh, weakness and God's power displayed in our weaknesses, I'd really like to, to hear from three people. So uh, I've spoken with Robbie and Jill and Vicky. Um, if you'd like to come up, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, 
on uh, how the Lord has been at work in your life um, in various trials. So if you want to stand over here. Just uh, if you want to stand there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Robbie? You're on the mic. You're on the mic. Okay. Um, no singing. Okay. <laughs> so we're first like, we're just thinking of um, uh, what, what ministries um, uh, are you involved with? So if you hold the mic on your chin there. There you go. Just on the chin. So what, what, I know you've been involved in uh, preaching and things locally in the past, but what, what ministries are you involved in at, at the moment? I'm not really now? involved in any ministry except serving the tea for the spectrum people. <laughs> no ministry at all. When I mentioned to my son that I was going to speak about my weaknesses, he said, Wow, Dad, that'll take a long time. <laughs> Do they send refreshments halfway? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. Um, so... Let me, uh, from this conversation that we had, um, you have been, you are serving in Spectrum, you are serving uh, in making teas and coffees there, am I correct? Yes. Yes, and also, you're also leading a home group as well, is that correct? Yes. There you are. So, we are, you, as well as doing many, many things in the past, of which are amazing, the, the things that you're involved in at the moment are Spectrum. Well, now I want to come to the shape course to tell the people what I should be doing <laughs> in, in my remaining years. Well, well, we can get to that maybe another time. Uh, <laughs> could you pass that on to Jill, please? This is the director's cut. So, uh, uh, Jill, what, uh, what, what, what ministries are you involved in at the moment? I'm involved in Spectrum, the arts ministry. Uh, one-to-one Bible studies with three people and the um, support of Alan and his ministry in Romania. Fantastic. I can't make a joke out of any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Vicky, and uh, what ministries have you, have you been involved in? Yes, so um, uh, at my previous church, I was involved in um, music ministry. Um, I did um, some work in women's ministry as well, so um, what we called sisterhood. So it's a group of young girls, and we meet and we talk about all sorts of life's issues. Um, And then I was also involved in um, social justice in Croydon, so in a refugee project um, in um, South London. We sort of went there and supported the refugees there, so yeah. Perfect. Thank you. And back to you, Robbie. What, what challenges or hardships uh, have you faced, and, and how has the Lord worked through you in those challenges to, to bring glory to him? Let me be serious for a moment. As I thought about the challenges, I thought they are challenges in weaknesses in three areas. The physical area is obviously very clear. I wear hearing aids. I hate the things. Um, I can't see out of wear glasses. Um, my balance is gone. So in these physical areas, they're going steadily downwards as I age. And yet the Lord is true to his faith. I'll rise up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and shall not faint. He has given me the strength to carry on. And I'm 87 now and still... Um, able to, to do so much. He's been so gracious to me. Does that help? Yeah. And in terms of uh, how you've been shaped through that, in terms of, the, uh, is there any other things that you would, you've grown in? <sighs> well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no saint. I've been married three times. Uh, he has shown immense patience to me throughout. I've been bankrupt and he's picked me up. Um, he's given me four lovely children and a lovely wife. But I, and I love him to bits. But his patience with me has been absolutely stunning, and he still is. I love him hugely. Thank you, Robbie. Pass over to, to Joe, please. Uh, and Joe, same, same question to yourself. How, in terms of uh, challenges or weaknesses in life, how has the Lord um, shown his glory through your, through your life through those times? Unlike Robbie, I have to have notes, because otherwise I'm just not going to remember the things that I really would genuinely like to share Um, so I prepared for tonight and I thought it through and I read the passage that Saab is going to preach on with one of my favourite verses Um, we had this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all surpassing power is from God and not from us and I thought how countercultural that was in Paul's time and how countercultural it is in our time Um, because Paul was willing to admit and in fact glory in his weaknesses 
and admit them to the church because then he knew that God's glory would be magnified in his life. So it hasn't been easy to reflect on weaknesses and hardships. Um, I said to Colin when he asked me, that makes me very vulnerable. Um, so, But I did want to share um, physically and mentally, uh, mentally, uh, you know, memory is beginning to go and I can never find the right word at the right time. Emotionally, I did tell Colin to have the tissues ready because I very, very quickly um, get tearful. Uh, I get anxious. I can panic. Um, and Alan would tell you that I am basically very insecure And so I've always been aware of those things. They are weaknesses that God has been so faithful to me over the years um, and just helped and enabled. Um, But physically, in my late 20s, I suffered a brain lesion, which had long-term effects on my sight and my eye's ability to work together. I developed long-term chronic pain, which had an effect on every area of my life for over 30 years. It it was at times a very dark tunnel. But I discovered some of the truths that Paul learnt when crying out to the Lord when he had his thorn, and he cried to God about it, his thorn in the flesh. And God said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I proved that so many times over the years. Three to four years after moving to Long Crendon, I experienced God's hand of healing. And along with medication, the pain level improved. And this has allowed me to function as I do today, with spectrum, with great thankfulness, and a desire to redeem some of the lost time. I think as far as I can go. Thanks, Joe. And Vicky, um, what about yourself in terms of some of the challenges, weaknesses, trials, and how has God um, worked through you to, to show his glory through that? Um, so I think when I was thinking about this question and, and sort of um, how to answer it, I think um, one thing that I, I've, I've struggled with a lot is actually <clears throat> you grow up as a Christian. I grew up in a, a Christian home. I had... Both my parents were pastors, um, and you kind of, uh, um, you see such faith and such, um, passion for the Lord. And I think at times also a lot of it can appear to be very performance based, or it's almost like you have to work really hard to earn God's, God's love and God's trust. And so over the years as, as a, growing up as a young Christian and then, um, having all these different, um, um, trials that um, I've been through it's been hard to actually feel like I'm even good enough um, or that um, I can I can trust the Lord and surrender to him um, and and know that he um, is in control and I think the key word there is surrender I've struggled a lot to um, understand what it means to um know that he's in control and I don't have to be in control of everything and be certain of everything and one thing I I know I don't like is uncertainty and um having had um my mum who's who was unwell for 13 years and growing up as a, a young carer and, and and sort of seeing how life appeared to be um one way and yet I, I, I was meant to have loads of faith and believe and be strong, but life didn't feel like I, it looked like I was a Christian or it looked like I was, um, um, what's the right word? Um, in, I suppose what I'm trying to say is in my head, I was thinking that as a Christian, you, if you pray and you trust and you have lots of faith and you love the Lord and you serve him and you do all these things in ministry that everything will work out and when you pray that the Lord will hear you and so in my head I thought okay I can trust in that and then when trials and tribulations and things happen and you realize you have no control and there is no certainty and you have to trust and you have to surrender and 
you realize that God may hear your prayers or he may heal or he might not heal and that you have to trust in his providence and believe in him that for me has been something that I've had to really work through um, because it not only affected the way I looked at life but then also the way I saw myself as a child of God and also the way I was able to just you know not let worldly things and culture and ideas affect my my the way I saw God or the way I saw my life basically and when my mum did pass away that was definitely a breaking point um in my life and in my faith um but I think the Lord has also been faithful and it, it sounds very cliche but sometimes you know when things are hard and difficult you do really learn what it means to actually be a Christian and why do I believe in God why do I believe in um why do I serve him? Why do I have a relationship with him? And what does it mean to, to surrender and to trust and to um, have faith? So I don't know if I've answered it. No, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, all. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for sharing. Yeah. Let me uh, pray for you and uh, pray for others as well. Let's uh, spend some time in prayer together. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Lord, we thank you, as we heard there, we thank you for your faithfulness uh, to us over so many years. Great is thy faithfulness. And we, we sing your praises, Lord, for your, uh, for your faithfulness to us uh, over so many years. And Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you will not let us go, that you do not let us go that you have an everlasting love for us, that you are our Heavenly Father who cares for us, cares for us even in our trials, even in our, our challenges, that, that even in the dark times you are there, that you use those times to shape us and mold us into the image of Jesus, that we would be able to serve others in the process. And Father, we thank you even for those trials, Lord, that you would use them for your purposes in our lives. And we thank you uh, that we can rely on you, that we can see that you continue uh, to love us, even in those difficulties. And we pray, Father, that you would you would help us when we do go through challenges, when we struggle uh, through things, that we wouldn't uh, grow cold and, and turn away from you, uh, but that we would cling to you. Uh, forgive us for the times, Lord, that we that we do just think you are uh, punishing us, yeah, but that we would just see you as our Heavenly Father who cares for us and is shaping us even through the trials of life. Help us to, uh, to just bow before you, Lord, to know that you are in control, that we need not uh, take the reins and uh, that we need not be anxious about anything, uh, but that we, we, could, we can continually uh, confess our our insecurities, our anxieties to you uh, because you care for us. We thank you that all this is possible through what your son, the Lord Jesus, has done for us in dying in our place and taking our sins that we can come into your holy presence and call you Father. And Father, we do pray uh, for those uh, who are um, uh, struggling at the moment. We pray for those in the church family who may be are feeling distant from you, uh, feeling like uh, you have abandoned them. Lord, would you be close to them? And Father, we do we pray for those who have uh, returned recently from uh, short-term missions trips or time abroad. We pray for those who have returned from Eswatini. And we pray, Lord, for uh, for those who perhaps are feeling a little, a little under, under spiritual attack, that you would protect them, that you would guard them and keep them uh, and cover them. Uh, with the full armor of God. We pray for Neil and Liz. We pray for their time, Lord, that they, they would have some, some resting, uh, some rest, some, some downtime, uh, some time to refresh together. And we pray for uh, Liz's mum's uh, funeral a week on Saturday. Uh, for many uh, non-believers attending, Lord, that they would uh, sit under the, the good news of the gospel and trust in you even there. We do pray, Lord, for the, for the believers in India. We pray, Lord, for, 
for many of them who are under persecution in certain parts. We pray, Lord, for the ministry of uh, David and Benny there as they minister both in India and in Bhutan. And we pray that you would sustain them, help them to persevere. We pray for uh, the country of Romania as well, for the the challenge that it is to live in a an Eastern Orthodox uh, country where um, tradition is everything, uh, but a uh, personal faith is not uh, not understood by many. And so we pray for the work of Pastor Julian and his wife Lydia, Lord, that you would help them uh, to persevere to. Uh, continually hold out the good news of the gospel to people there. We pray for for Eswatini as a country as well. We pray, Lord, for uh, their recovery, even recovery from from COVID and uh, some of the civil unrest as well. We pray, Lord, for peace there. Uh, Pray for um, justice to be done. We pray, Lord, for the recovery of the country and that there would be uh, less corruption and that the leaders would be Uh, Christian men and women that they would lead in a manner which honors you we pray as well for the for the work of uh, CMS and for the ICBC church plant with uh, Pastor Twala and we pray for all those involved in that Lord that you would uh, be glorified and we give you thanks Lord as we heard from from Jill and Rob Robbie and Vicky and we thank you that you have used their weaknesses in their lives to to radiate your glory and, and that people have been blessed as a result of the, the way that you've shaped them and molded them. We pray for those who are uh, struggling uh, with, with their uh, physical uh, weaknesses, with their health at the moment. We pray for those who are, who are struggling, perhaps financially, or perhaps are just anxious about finance, uh, about how they will get through the winter. Lord, if there is opportunity to, to bless and to serve and provide for others, help us to, to be that instrument, to be a blessing to others, that we would seek to, to serve them and meet their need where they are. And Father, as we, we come to your word now, we, we pray as, it is, as it's read by Helen that, that we would have soft hearts to receive it. And for Sarb, as he comes to preach, May you apply the truths of your word deep into our hearts, that they would uh, grow and grow, that we would uh, live out the truth that you have given to us. Uh, We pray this in the good name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, This evening's reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and is called Present Weakness and Resurrection Life. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. 
All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Thank you so much for, for reading for us. Uh, please do keep your Bibles open. It'd be a great help to me if you're able to, uh, to follow uh, along. But before we start, uh, let's pray. My Father, pray that uh, you'd help me this evening uh, as, uh, as I speak. Uh, help us all uh, to be attentive uh, to your still, small voice. I pray that you would quicken our minds and you would soften our hearts. Uh, make us teachable this evening, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Let me start this evening with a question. Uh, How do you know if you're doing something right? How do you know if you're doing something right? Uh, Let me use an example of something that I'm absolutely useless at, uh, DIY. How how do you know if you're doing DIY correctly? Um, One of the easiest tests is just how easily, I guess, uh, the job gets done. Uh, For me, uh, replacing washers in a plumbing system uh, is usually accompanied with gallons of water on the floor. Uh, When it goes wrong, it's just hard work. Or when things need to be put together, it seems uh, that the instructions are written in a foreign language, and to be fair, oftentimes they are. Uh, And when I put the bolts in, they seem to get cross-threaded, and it's hard work then just to get them apart again. And oftentimes, what I put together is slightly different from what the pictures in the manual would suggest. It's just hard work. And oftentimes, that's how we know when we haven't done things right. And what about ministry? What about gospel ministry, telling people uh, about Jesus and living for Jesus? What should that look like? Uh, Some people who work in gospel ministry think that life should be comfortable. Uh, Here's uh, here's a preacher who's asking his congregation to buy him a new jet. Um, Others tell us that uh, all you need to do is claim the promise and it will be yours, that God wants you to be healthy, happy and prosperous and that the Christian walk is easy. The gospel work is easy. And if you're finding it difficult, they say, well, you're just doing it wrong. So what is the pattern for gospel work? What should it look like? Should it be easy? And if not, how do we keep going? And that's what our reading this evening really helps us uh, to see. So I want to look at uh, three things this evening. I want to look at uh, the way of our Christian lives, the experience of our Christian lives and the strength for our Christian lives. So the way, the experience and the strength. So firstly, uh, the way. Uh, earlier in the letter, uh, Paul's told the church that gospel work has not been easy. Uh, Paul says that he and his team experienced trials almost too much to bear, but that ministry uh, that he'd been called to and Christians everywhere are called to uh, is to live lives that declare the goodness of God and lips that speak of the one who has given all things to us. Paul has already told uh, us that as Christians, we will be the aroma of life to those who believe, but the aroma of death to those who don't believe. And a few weeks ago, Neil helped us uh, to see what that looked like. And our passage uh, this evening uh, opens with these words. Take a look with me at uh, verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul tells us that in God's mercy, God has not only moved us from death to life, but that in making us alive in Christ, we're now called to a job of work. And just as for the apostle Paul, the work has been arduous. So that pattern might also be the calling that God indeed places on our lives. Because as Paul has already said, not everyone will receive and respond to the gospel. Now Paul goes on to tell us why. Take a look at verses 3 and 4 with me. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Uh, He's done that in such a way as to obscure the glory of Christ. Uh, What does that mean? The glory of Christ is this. That the one true son of God, the one who'd been in the bosom of the father from before all time, uh, the one who spoke all creation into being, is the one who had all power and dominion. All of heaven worshipped and adored him. That even though God created us for himself, we rebelled. We chose to be our own rulers. And rather than let us be eternally separated from the father, the father sent the son, the glorious one. And Jesus came and did what we couldn't do. He lived the life that we should have lived and then he died the death that we deserve in our place to pay the price that we might be made right with God. So to have us, God gave up his son. That's the glory of Christ, the king laying down his life for the rebels because there was no other way for us to be made right. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's what the devil seeks to obscure. That's the truth. That the devil is working hard for non-believers not to see. So given that, what should the way of our Christian lives, our ministry be like? Uh, If some people, maybe many people, will turn from the gospel, what should we do? Well, we must speak the gospel and we must speak it fully and transparently. Take a look at uh, verse 2 and... uh, It says, rather rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. There's a temptation, says Paul, when it seems like the world is rejecting the message, the good news of Jesus. There's an obvious temptation to adjust the message. There's an obvious temptation to tamper with it. And Paul says, resist, resist. Paul says that he won't use underhanded means of sharing the good news with people. They will not distort the gospel. He says that they set forth the truth plainly. There's nothing underhand about their Christian ministry. Paul speaks of an open and transparent motivation and not seeking to convert people for our own motives. Uh, Telling people about Jesus, not because we might gain something from it. The favor of people or to enrich ourselves. No, Paul is not seeking a private jet for himself. Paul's in ministry for two reasons. For the delight of seeing God bringing people to life and glorifying God by partnering with him to reveal to believers what it means to have life and to have it in all its fullness. Uh, Those same temptations, I guess, which Paul and other gospel workers had in Paul's time are still present in our day and age, aren't they? Most notably to distort the word of God. Uh, When our families and friends uh, say that all religions will bring you to heaven, just choose anyone. Or when they say that God will be pleased with them because they've been good people. Or isn't God love and he'll love them just as they are? No need to change. Now, in those situations, we might be tempted to trim away bits of scripture that they might not like. Uh, It's a good question for us, isn't it? Uh, Have we ever been tempted to tinker with the gospel, to make it more palatable to people? And Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Paul says it's not for us to tailor or tamper with the message. All of the gospel All of the gospel is good news. And if we trim away bits that people might not like, we will drain away inadvertently, I guess, the incredible love that God has for all of humanity. And Paul says that some will respond and others will not. And we're called just to be faithful to telling people about what God has done. Uh, It's sad, isn't it, to see so many churches uh, around the Western world letting go uh, of the things that God has said in an effort to make the message more palatable to the culture. That uh, thinking that 
somehow if the message was just a little bit more palatable, less jarring, more culturally relevant, that people who don't know Jesus would come to the church. And all we need to do is look at church attendance over the last hundred years and see the way that it's declined because the church has tampered with or watered down the message. And those churches that have held fast to the gospel and teach the whole counsel of God are, generally speaking, the churches that haven't seen that sharp decline. Uh, And that's an encouragement to us, isn't it? Uh, Spur us on uh, to encourage us to remain in the word, uh, in our ministries, to be faithful and to proclaim Christ. So our calling, the way of our lives as Christians, uh, is to be formed by the faithful living and proclaiming of the truth of what God has done for us in and through Christ. And to be ready and unsurprised when not everyone receives the good news. So if that's the way, how easy or tough is it? And that brings us to our second point. The experience of our Christian lives in verses 7 through 16. God has placed into the hearts of his people the truth about who God is and what he's done. What Paul calls the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. It's an incredible treasure that he's placed in our hearts. It's the hope that all of humanity needs and it's a treasure beyond compare. And if that's the treasure and if what Paul tells us about the hostile way in which the world is going to respond to the news of Jesus. How might you imagine that he would equip us to send us out into the hostile world? Perhaps... We think we should be dressed a bit like this. Yeah, if we have this treasure and the world is that hostile, well, you know, maybe we'd want to be equipped like this with a suit that will repel even the strongest attack. And no matter uh, where we go and what we do, the suit protects us. And we can go fearlessly forward, a mighty woman or man of God, that no matter what the world throws at us, we'll come through unscathed. That the suit protects the person in it. That strong suit of armor helping to keep us from harm. But a strong suit of armor like that also keeps the light from shining out. It means the treasure never gets out. So we haven't been given an impregnable suit to surround the treasure. But rather the treasure comes in a clay vessel. Paul says that we have this treasure, this light, in jars of clay. Take a look uh, at verse 7 with me. He says this, he says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The power that Paul refers to here is the power of the gospel to move people from death to life, for people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, to repent and to turn back to God. That power comes from God. That power doesn't come from fancy clothes that we wear. It doesn't come from the clever arguments that we put forward to our friends. It doesn't come from big expensive conferences with great speakers, great bands, smoke machines and clever lighting. The power to save comes from God. It comes from people being told of the saving work of God in hearing the good news. And that's really great for us, isn't it? The pressure is off. Yeah, Saving people is a work that God does by his spirit. We don't save people. However, we are called to shine the light. We're called to carry this treasure in jars of clay, our frail bodies, So that people might see the way that the knowledge of Jesus shapes our lives. Lives not shaped by worldly values, by strength or greed or pride or selfishness, but by gospel values of surrender, of generosity, humility and love for the other. A way of living that brings real joy. So as we carry about treasure in a vessel that's not free from the pressures and trials of the world, will carry this treasure in, well, not in a suit of armour. If we do that, what will our ministry look like? Now, Paul gives us an insight into that question. Take a look at verses 11 through 12 with me. He says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, 
so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Uh, For those of us who carry on gospel ministry, uh, be that reading the Bible with non-believers, inviting non-believers to dinner, uh, running seeker barbecues, guest events or breakfasts, evangelizing in your place of work, uh, reading the Bible, with your children at home, uh, speaking to parents at the school gate, or if your ministries with young people and or children's work, ladies' ministry, the community calf, contact, whatever your ministry is, wherever you serve, whether you serve quietly in the background or noisily from the front, whatever it looks like for you, Paul says, know this, the gift of life that we hold out, this treasure, Like a light shining out from us, we carry in jars of clay. We are prone to knocks. We are prone to shocks. Paul says, at times, ministry will feel like we are being given over to death. Uh, There's a sacrificial component to our ministry. Uh, It will be hard uh, that as we serve, as we hold out the light of the knowledge of the glory of God revealed in the face of Christ... That it will be demanding as we lay down our preferences and desires for others. For Jesus' sake, it's going to feel like dying. Then, as Paul says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Because those we minister to know more and more of the love and life that they have in Christ. Death is at work in us so that life is at work in others. Why? Why is that the pattern for our ministry? Because it's the same pattern and the same shape that Jesus' ministry had. That Jesus, being the creator king over all things, glorious in heaven, put down his glory, put on a vessel of clay, clothed himself in humanity, coming into the world as a man. The treasure was immeasurable, but it was held, if you like, in a jar of clay. It was breakable, it was punchable, it was spearable, it was killable. A ministry marked by death so that others might have life. It was in weakness that the love of God was displayed. And as we carry around the treasure in our jars of clay, our jars are going to get chipped and they're going to get cracked. As clay jars, we have all sorts of cracks, don't we? And you may be here this evening thinking that the cracks that I have, they hurt too much. Or maybe, do they mean I'm just too weak to serve? Let me encourage you. With two pictures this evening. Leonard Cohen. In 1992, Leonard Cohen released the Future album, and on it he had the single Anthem. Uh, And in it, as he sang about the trials and the troubles of life, he saw something. It was in the brokenness of the world that hope came in. That it's through the cracks, he sang, that the light comes into the world. And so with our jars of clay, as we serve Christ and as a result get chipped and cracked, and as we continue to serve Christ, more and more of the light of the gospel and the gospel hope is able to shine out of our brokenness. Uh, We may not like the fact that as we serve Christ, we get chipped and cracked, but amazingly, It's those very chipped and cracked vessels that can shine most brightly for Christ. It's through the cracks, he sang, through the chipping and the cracking of our jars of clay that the light comes into the world. Secondly, the Japanese art of kintsugi. Uh, In Japan, where vessels are broken, there's an art form called kintsugi. Uh, The vessel is repaired with bright or brightly colored uh, with gold or brightly colored glue. And it brings into sharp relief the fact that the vessel is broken. The repair is not designed to be invisible. 
but obvious. In making the repair obvious, it makes the repaired vessel just breathtakingly beautiful. The Kintsugi vessel, the broken and repaired vessel, is oftentimes more valuable than it was before it was broken. And it may be that you feel that you've been broken, either by the world or by the way that people have responded to your service of Christ. And you may feel that you are no longer useful to Christ. Or maybe you feel you are no longer beautiful to Christ. And if that's you, please allow the love of God revealed in Christ to be poured into your heart by the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to mend you, not to make your brokenness invisible, but to make it glorious. That the world might see through your brokenness that you are a beauty to Christ. Allow the world to see the Kintsugi repair made by God of your clay. So the way is clear to be transparent and to clearly live for Christ. The experience is that it will be tough. How do we get the strength to live for that? That's our final point. The strength of our Christian lives or for our Christian lives. If we're relying on our own strength or on our own willpower, it's going to be easy to lose heart as we journey through life, as we journey through life for Christ, as our friends mock us, as our family fail to understand why we need to come to church twice on a Sunday, or why we serve our brothers as we do so sacrificially, or why we run Christianity Explored when so few people come. It'd be easy to lose heart. If we were relying on our own strength. But Paul points to a strength that we can draw on. It's the only strength really that will keep us going. Take a look with me at verses 16 through 18. He writes this. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, facing opposition isn't something that church people, leaders or church uh, folk uh, are immune from. Uh, Paul, an apostle, uh, faced trouble and trial in abundance. And all of us who live for Christ will face trial and trouble for being a Christian. The question is, what do we do in the face of that trouble? Now, the trouble that Paul has experienced are enough to make people lose heart, which is why Paul says we do not lose heart. Paul didn't lose heart. What were some of the trials that Paul experienced? The trials that might have caused him to lose heart. But he didn't. Allow allow me one cheeky cross-reference if you've got your Bibles open. Uh, Turn to chapter 11 in this letter, verses 23 to 28. 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. Paul here speaks about uh, some of the trials and he writes this. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. It's unlikely that anyone of us here has suffered quite like Paul has suffered. And the trials that Paul has suffered are not insignificant. But Paul says remarkably of his suffering that they are light and momentary. Light and momentary. Paul experienced and lived under the fear of physical danger and he had great emotional and spiritual concern for the churches that he'd planted. 
there's a relentlessness, isn't there, and a severity about Paul's sufferings for Christ. And yet, he dares to call them light and momentary. And the reason that Paul can do that is because he has an eternal perspective. Paul's thought about what it, what, what it means for him to be in Christ, and he compares that with his current sufferings. And he sees that the trials that he faces now are tiny when he compares them to the weight of glory that will be fully revealed to him through all eternity. And he prayed those promises until they were hot in his heart. Uh, promises such as these, the promises of having the spirit of God dwell within us now. The power, think about that, the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, in each one of us. The, the promise of being children of God and his spirit knowing, uh, his spirit dwelling within us and God knowing us as his children now, of God never abandoning us or leaving us, of a new heavens and a new earth where there will be no more suffering, no more tears, where the old order of things will have passed away. Resurrection bodies, resurrection bodies, all injustices put right and on and on. These are the promises that Paul prayed hot in his own heart. And what are the promises that you hold on to? What are the promises that God has made that help you keep the current hardships and trials in serving Christ in an eternal perspective? You see, the bigger that we can keep the promises in our hearts, the smaller will seem the sufferings and the trials that we go through as we serve Christ now. And the more we will have the power to keep going. As our clay vessels get chipped and cracked, we'll have the joy of knowing what awaits us. And that will give us the strength and the joy to keep serving Christ. So the way of Christian lives and ministry is to be true and transparent to the gospel. Our experience, well, that's going to be tough. It will feel like death. Because we carry this treasure in jars of clay. But the sweetness, oh my, the sweetness of all that God has promised, this eternal weight of glory waiting for us, is the strength we need to keep going. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for these truths. Uh, thank you that you have indeed placed such treasure in these jars of clay. Uh, Father, thank you that uh, you have called us uh, to serve you in so many different ways, so many different ministries. Uh, Father, I pray that we would be greatly encouraged that uh, you have entrusted this great treasure to us. Help us to be faithful to, uh, to your message. Help us to be faithful to the gospel. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, uh, where we feel chipped and cracked where the pain is severe. I pray that uh, we would uh, draw, draw strength and comfort from you. Father, pray that you would draw close to us, draw us to yourself. Uh, pour the love of God into, the, into our hearts by your spirit and help us keep our eyes fixed on that eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Might we joyfully serve you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do uh, just stay, uh, talk to one another, pray with one another as we conclude our time. But let me pray as we close. Uh, Father God, we are amazed at your glory that you would use us as your weak vessels to display your glory in us. And so we pray that you would help us to rely on you, that we might shine forth the glory of Jesus in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen.